Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Karpal in London and welcome to the Metaverse. Well, not quite yet. That's some way off in the future, but that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. This concept of uh, the Metaverse, this buzzword, which really at the moment doesn't have a concrete definition, but comes to sort of mean uh, this idea where perhaps in the future we'll be playing, we'll be working inside these virtual worlds uh, day to day. Uh, And this buzzword really gained some momentum after Facebook changed its name in October 2021 to Meta, really uh, pushing forward with this idea of the metaverse. But as I mentioned, no concrete definition yet. And that's really what I want to get to in this podcast with our guests. We're going to be discussing uh, about what exactly the metaverse is, what are some of the technologies, including things like cryptocurrencies and blockchain that might come to sort of make up what the metaverse eventually uh, forms in the end as well, and how it develops, what are some of the businesses that are going to be involved in the second part. I want to talk about China. And how exactly the metaverse is going to develop in China, because we know it's going to be very different. A lot of regulation, heavily censored and likely devoid of any cryptocurrencies as well. So now that I've set the scene, I want to very quickly get into our discussions. Uh, First, uh, with Leo Gebi, a tech industry analyst at CCS Insight. Leo, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, glad to be here. So look, Metaverse has sort of so many definitions to to so many different people. Can you help explain to our viewers and our listeners exactly what your view of the Metaverse is, how we might define it? I would say broadly, the Metaverse is a concept which tries to link together lots of different emerging ideas that we see in technology right now. And it's it's usually positioned as a sort of next generation of the internet. So there's a view that the metaverse is a version of the internet where we will do far more in terms of what we call spatial computing. So this is using technologies like virtual and augmented reality to do more of the things that we do online now. So whether that's working, whether that's buying things online, whether it's meeting up with friends, whether it's playing games, there's an idea that we will do more of this in virtual worlds. And this is what the metaverse tries to represent. But it goes beyond this in some ways as well. A lot of people talk about the metaverse with a view of connecting the physical and the virtual worlds in more depth than than ever before and providing a really seamless experience between lots of different virtual experiences. So rather than the experience we have right now, where typically we might use multiple different apps to do different things throughout the day, there's a view that in the metaverse, everything will be connected and we'll use one kind of platform, one portal for everything. And you mentioned sort of a couple of the key technologies there, virtual reality, augmented reality. I mean, how do we access the metaverse? Is this a situation where we're going to have to sort of all don headsets to to be a part of of this world? And, And I guess ultimately, does that make it quite difficult or hold back the industry in any way? My expectation for the metaverse Um, As it comes to fruition, as more and more of these 
um, computing experiences do become spatial is that the best way to access these will be through virtual and augment augmented reality headsets, but that we will still be able to access elements of this through devices we have today, like our smartphones or laptops or tablets or, or so on. So I think there's a couple of different elements to this. One is that because the metaverse isn't expected to fully replace the internet as much as maybe augment it or enhance it, there'll definitely be a, an attempt to try and allow people to connect to it with the devices they have today. Because ultimately, if people go and build this incredible spatial computing platform, but very few people can use it in the first case, it's not going to take off very quickly. So but I think that it's likely that there will be attempts to make sure that today's established technologies like the smartphone are a good way of accessing the metaverse. However, I do think as we look forwards, because there will be this heavy emphasis on spatial computing, the best experience will probably be through virtual and augmented reality. It probably will require people to have headsets and things like VR glasses, VR goggles and so on to actually access the best content and to have the most immersive experience. So I think there'll be a bit of a blend of both. Uh, and so when you think about that sort of ecosystem, that means you're going to have sort of hardware players, those making devices like those headsets, and of course, the continued sort of smartphone players, but also the internet companies as well, which which are going to be sort of trying to develop applications. So when you look at the landscape as it stands now, who would you say are sort of some of the front runners when it comes to metaverse? Of course, we, we know Facebook and it and its name change into meta, clearly one of them. Uh, but, you know, as you look at the landscape, sort of give us a sense of, of what kind of companies will be involved um, in this. Yeah, I mean, there, there is no doubt that Meta is leading the, the charge on this, as you said, with the rebrand. They very clearly stake their reputation on the metaverse. But there's other companies who are either talking about the metaverse or at least hinting about the potential of the metaverse for the future and a really broad range of names who you might think of with regards to that future. Microsoft is one company who has actually openly spoken about the metaverse and about the potential opportunity it sees there. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Microsoft is a company which is has vested interests across lots of different parts of the, the internet today, um, whether that be things like cloud with its Azure technologies, whether it be with things like online collaboration with, with Microsoft Teams, which so many of us use for work today. And that's one company which is very keen to talk about the potential of the metaverse to transform its business. But as, as I see it, I think the landscape really is, is open to pretty much any of the big tech companies today to try and move into this, this world in the future. If we, if we look at companies like Google, for example, which hasn't spoken explicitly really about the metaverse in a lot of detail, but if we look at its recent I.O. conference, it talked about lots of technologies which would be important, I think, in the metaverse. And that's things like, for example, augmented reality, which it's overlaying with its maps technology as it wants people to be able to, to explore the world really through its maps application and to use that as a way of visualizing things all around them. And it's also launching potentially new technologies in the future. It, it demoed things like a pair of real-time translation glasses using augmented reality. So it's another company that has a big role to play already in the way we use um, online services and applications and, and will have a big role to play beyond that. But 
so many big tech companies, I think, will, will have a big role to play here. I have no doubt that Apple will want to get involved, especially on the devices side of things. It would be a huge surprise if they didn't. Other big major tech companies today, like Tencent, Alibaba, all of these sorts of companies, I think, will undoubtedly want to have a role to play in the metaverse because it is going to be so important, I think, in the next generation of computing. Uh, now, Leo, it seems like we can't talk about any kind of technology these days without mentioning the world of cryptocurrencies as well and you know the crypto industry is very excited about the metaverse because they feel that virtual currencies they feel that some of the technology that underpins that like the blockchain are going to play a key role uh in the metaverse as well you know perhaps if you're in a in some sort of game or virtual world uh you may be able to pay with it with an associated cryptocurrency but in your view i mean as this plays out i mean how big a role will cryptocurrencies eventually play it's very easy to understand why people who i think are especially invested in cryptocurrencies are excited about the potential of the metaverse and i think that is because there are lots of tenets of the metaverse and ideas and ideals as to how it should work that associate really nicely with cryptocurrency. So, for example, it's often spoken about that the metaverse should be this ubiquitous, continuous technology that's open and interoperable. Um, and, and a lot of that actually identifies quite nicely with blockchain. A lot of that is fairly consistent with the ideas that we hear spoken about with regards to cryptocurrencies. The fact that it should have this openness and sort of um, the, the ability to clearly track your transactions and so on. There's, there are some things that really resonate quite nicely across the two. But then the interesting thing right now is that cryptocurrency is very much making um, you know, a lot of headlines with people who are very um, interested in it from a, a technology perspective or very forward looking. But what the metaverse needs to do actually is appeal to the mass market a lot more broadly and actually bring in people who maybe are a lot less confident about this future of computing and um, lots of technologies like cryptocurrency or NFTs that they might not have heard of. And I think in that regard, it might be something that could provide a little bit of almost a barrier in terms of trying to bring people into the conversation because they're so uncertain about cryptocurrency and, and what that means. So I think that there will be elements of integration between the two. I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see cryptocurrency have a place in the metaverse. I think that there certainly will be the ability to buy online goods and online assets using cryptocurrencies. But whether or not it will be a really core staple feature of the metaverse and how it works, I'm not sure I would necessarily go quite that far. And, and with you know the development of new technology, we always have to discuss what that means from the regulatory point of view. You know, we got regulators looking at the tech sector from various areas when it comes uh, to data protection. You know, in the EU, there's a lot of talk about AI regulation. In China, there's a whole sewer regulation around things like algorithms, um, for example, as well. So I feel like regulation is going to have to be a key part of, of this puzzle, particularly if any of it does end up touching cryptocurrencies as well. Do you think? that this requires a, a new regulatory framework? As the metaverse grows and develops, I think there will be lots of things that will emerge, lots of potential use cases for the technology and lots of potential applications that maybe we haven't even thought of yet. I think because it is so uncertain a future, it's incredibly difficult to say whether frameworks that we have now will necessarily apply. My, my instinct would be that they might not, and that because of the span of the metaverse and the attempts to provide this incredibly broad ecosystem of online experiences, 
I would be hugely surprised if that doesn't throw up certain challenges and certain issues that the regulatory framework we have today just isn't quite prepared for. Um, and, I, and I think that that will be one of the really fascinating things to watch moving forwards. Obviously, we've spoken about some of the big tech companies who are already interested in this space. And if we look at companies like Meta, like Google and, and so on, lots of these companies already attract a huge amount of, of regulation. They're already monitored by all sorts of bodies around the world in terms of their actions, in terms of online activity and how they look after people's rights online, their privacy and their security. And I think the metaverse is only going to deepen that sort of level of conversation where if you're spending more and more time in virtual worlds in the future, if you're actually going to be logging online to do even more of the things that you do in your day-to-day -day life than you already are, then the need for that to be carefully regulated and carefully looked after, and especially if it's going to be with regards to these big tech companies who are already heavily regulated, I think that'll be something we'll see a big increase in moving forwards. Let's talk a bit about the business rationale as well, Leo, because... Um... When you look at the, the metaverse, what are some of the kind of key revenue streams you see, some of the key business models that might develop, um, you know, I guess on top of what we had, you know, I guess advertising is one of those. But are there other others that you see developing too? Yeah, so I think there's a few key things to look at. I think one is, is certainly the fact that the hardware will be a really lucrative aspect of this. Should virtual and augmented reality devices become as ubiquitous and as um, widely established as, say, the smartphone is today, that's obviously a huge potential for driving revenue. That's an area where if we look at a company like Apple, which has been so successful in driving revenues from hardware over the past oh, how many years, <laughs> an incredibly long time, um, I think should Apple look to get into this space and start offering something like a VR headset, or AR glasses, both of which have been rumored for an incredibly long time, that could be a massive revenue driver for them and provide a really, really interesting growth engine moving forwards. But if we're looking at things like content as well, I think there'll be lots and lots of different things that we could look at here. So for example, gaming is something that's really readily associated with the metaverse. There's actually lots of people who've already made the argument that today's online gaming platforms um, like Fortnite or Roblox, some of these platforms which let people go online, play games with their friends and actually create and, um, and, and come up with their own online experiences on these platforms. Some people say that's the closest that we have to the metaverse today. And I think I expect to see lots of other big companies who are already focused in gaming look to build offerings in the metaverse as well. And it'll be really interesting to see what develops there. Obviously, one company that we've already spoken about today, Microsoft, very heavily invested in gaming. It's made acquisitions in that space. It's spoken about the fact that it sees the metaverse and gaming as really powerful opportunities to work together. So I think that's another thing that I would look at and be very, very interested in. Obviously, entertainment more widely will be a big one. Some of the big um, entertainment companies today, if we look at Disney, if we look at Netflix, those sorts of companies would be a huge surprise if they didn't look at how they can monetize their content within the metaverse. And I think we'll see more and more there. Um, social platforms will have a huge role to play. Obviously, Meta will be looking to work out how it can monetize its offering within the metaverse. But there's a whole list of companies beyond that, whether it be you know, big social players like TikTok or Twitter or Snapchat, they've all got a focus on the metaverse as well and understanding what they can try and do to monetize that. And ultimately, if we're talking about a huge, huge uh, range of connected online experiences, 
that's going to require networks to actually power it. So when we're looking at network providers, if we're looking at cloud and hosting type companies, we're looking at uh, telecoms operators and all that sort of infrastructure basis there that's going to be required to actually power the metaverse, then undoubtedly there will be money to be made there in terms of providing that connectivity and the capability for people to access that online uh, that online world. So the 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 sense I get here is that there's a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of exciting things that could happen. But as you look at it at the moment, what would you say are the biggest challenges? Right now, arguably the biggest challenge is the fact that people aren't sure that they necessarily need or want to spend that much time in these virtual worlds. If we look at virtual reality as an example, virtual reality devices have been around for quite a long time now. Um, there was sort of a the big revival in 2016 when the Oculus Rift and the um, HTC Vive first came to the market. And we've been on a very good kind of growth journey since then, where we now have devices like the Oculus Quest 2, which is fairly affordable. It's just under $300 to buy. Um, but ultimately, it's not sold that many units in the grand scheme of things. We estimate it's just over 10 million units overall, which is not bad in regards to the VR market. But if we're looking at other things like smartphones or um, you know, like the big tech devices that we use today, it really is a drop in the ocean. And, and why is that? Realistically, it seems that people still think that virtual reality is for gaming, it's a fairly niche use case, and they just don't see the need to go out there and buy a VR headset, or even if they have bought one, they don't actually use it, it seems, for that much beyond things like playing games. So ultimately, if we're looking at this vision for the metaverse and saying, well, you know, the, the view is that you're going to spend all this time um, within virtual worlds, whether it's for playing games, whether it's for getting work done or shopping, whatever it might be. The big question is, is it going to be a better experience than what we have now? Is it going to make people want to take that jump from using their smartphone to using a VR headset or AR glasses? And I think that's where the big disconnect is. We're still not seeing content, which is really compelling. We're still not seeing hardware, which is good enough to maybe display that content as optimally as it can be. And it's we're in a position where certainly the things you can do in virtual worlds are not all that bad but they're maybe not yet all that good either. They're not good enough to make the experience so compelling that people go, yes, I want to do more of this. I want to live in the metaverse. Leo, thanks so much for your insight and your time. And uh, yeah, just giving us a nice overview there. I, I, I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners and viewers did as well. Thank you very much for having me. We're just going to take a quick break from the conversations to bring you this short message. Subscribe to the Squawkbox Europe Express podcast. Join Steve, Karen and myself, Arabile, in unscripted and dynamic debate around the day's top stories with first and exclusive interviews of the best in business and global newsmakers, original points of view and instant analysis of the latest business news and key market themes. Get set for the day ahead. Squawkbox Europe Express podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. That was Leo Gebby there of CCS Insight, giving us a great overview, I think, so far of what are some of the challenges right now, but also some of the potential for uh, the metaverse in the future. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I want to tackle the China question. Uh, how does the metaverse develop in China? And just again, to set a little bit of context, what we've seen since sort of the end of 2020 is a slew of new regulation in China, uh, specifically aimed at the tech sector around things like data regulation and 
antitrust, etc. Uh, and there's a view that a lot of this regulation has come from the top to sort of rein in the power of the tech companies, which have grown largely unencumbered over the past few years. Um, but also, it, it does raise the question about how these regulations and how the metaverse will develop at the moment. There's no sort of government policy as such towards the metaverse in China, but they're certainly watching it very closely. And there's a lot to unpack here about the aspect of the metaverse in China. And to do that, I'm so happy uh, I'm joined by Evelyn Cheng, who's my colleague based out in Beijing, a correspondent out there. Evelyn, thanks so much uh, for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having me. So I feel like when we talk about metaverse, uh, we need to look at China because we know however the metaverse develops there, it's going to be a, a completely different beast to the rest of the world. And of course, when we look at technologies in China, we do need to look at what uh, government is doing, what the government policy is, uh, because often it can be driven uh, by government as well. So when it comes to the metaverse, what is the Chinese government saying or some of the local government saying uh, about the development of this technology? As the term metaverse really became very popular, I think, on the internet since, let's say, last fall, there were a lot of actually official government media talking about the metaverse. And maybe this was in the form of you know, financial news or you know, mostly about the risks of metaverse, you know, making sure that people don't get up caught in schemes to cheat them of their money just because they were tied to something that sounded fancy like metaverse. I think some of that a hype, whether it's from the government messaging or the you know, people's interest, has certainly died down in the last couple months. Um, but even you know, as recently as February, the China banking and insurance regulator actually put out a notice saying you know, they've noticed that there's been some companies uh, selling this idea of you know, metaverse property or some other uh, way to make money in the metaverse and they're telling people, you know, this is basically something that uh, we don't approve of and you should not be involved in. So just to be clear, there's no kind of, of national policy uh, or, or kind of national push as such yet, like, for example, we've seen in some of uh, these other critical areas of technology, say, say semiconductors, for example. Right. I mean, Shanghai a couple months ago did release a plan for metaverse development in its own city in the next couple of years. Uh, but there isn't a national level call for, OK, this is what metaverse development in China will look like. It's just one area of, of interest. What's really interesting is we've seen a lot of new regulation uh, around technology coming to China into effect since sort of the back end of 2020. Um, and a lot of that deals with things like data protection, with antitrust, with the ways that a lot of these technology companies c can operate. So uh, with these regulations in force, do you expect them to, to apply to whatever these tech companies are doing in, in uh, the metaverse area? Certainly, and you had some of the biggest companies in tech in China working with the metaverse. I mean, Baidu, for example, they've launched an, an app to try to develop their own version of the metaverse. And these companies certainly have to comply very much with the government regulation. So I think it is interesting that you see this sort of lighter touch, perhaps, on metaverse, while we have all this increased regulation on algorithms, personal data, and you know, just the whole crackdown that we've seen in the last two years or so. Um, and so it, I think it's, again, an example. China doesn't want to stifle innovation, 
but there is a very heavy-handed approach to some other sectors that's really disturbed some investors. I thought one of the interesting ones, and we, we you know, we've spoken about this a lot, is uh, the regulation from uh, Beijing around effectively trying to regulate algorithms, the way that technology companies are using algorithms. And a part of that, uh, of those rules, uh, was regarding so-called deep synthesis technology. Effectively, this relates to software that could be used perhaps to to generate or edit voices uh, or even sort of virtual settings or images or virtual settings as well. And, you know, that very much sort of, I feel, is starting to, to touch upon what could be in the metaverse when we think of of avatars and and virtual reality as well and so that i think is going to be a critical one as well because you know as you've mentioned i think regulators are concerned about some of the risks uh, around uh, around technology not getting people into scam but they're also you know trying to protect sort of uh, under 18 year olds uh, as well in the country from things like gaming addiction and you feel like with the metaverse uh, you know, they're going to also be very closely watching um, how that plays out and what the interaction is like for, for younger members of society as well, I think. Um, Evelyn, let me just let me just jump in here and talk about another aspect of, of technology and also content in China and that censorship. Um, you know, the metaverse is going to deal a lot with different types of content. Um, just give our sort of uh, listeners and, and viewers... Uh, a sense of how censorship sort of works in China? Since so much of these platforms, let's take Douyin, for example, run on very digitally integrated systems, it's very easy for them to just put in a couple words that if the live streamer mentions a word related to, it could be something like the president's name or something like a meeting or some political term, then they will immediately stop the live stream and you might have to wait a couple minutes before you can stream again. And I'm sure, you know, these are lists that are changing. And there's also teams, according to reports, that, you know, actually screen all of the content to, to monitor, you know, what's actually going on and what might need to be censored. Uh, but I would say there's certainly... In such a digitalized environment, it's done very real time. And how do you expect uh, censorship to, to be a part of, of whatever form the metaverse takes in, in China? To me, it would seem that it would be very similar to what we're seeing happen with Douyin or Weibo. I mean, the, pretty much the same companies that are involved with the whole digital system in China are going to be involved with the metaverse. And they're very quite familiar with what the system is like. Yeah, and so so we're sort of getting this idea already just through our conversation. We've got loads of things to think about here. We've got sort of all the different regulations in China. Uh, we've got sort of the censorship aspect as well. And another uh, part of the aspect, um, you know, I spoke about earlier uh, with Leo was around uh, crypto. You know, crypto, many people say that crypto will be part of uh, the metaverse that people might use virtual currencies to, to pay for things or to interact with whatever applications that the metaverse brings out. But of course, as we know, China has effectively banned trading. It's effectively tried to wipe out trading uh, in the mainland, as well as mining and other related businesses as well. Um, it sees it as a potential financial risk. And so they've they've moved 
you know, very quickly and very uh, harshly in trying to, to get rid of these virtual currency businesses. And so I guess uh, from my point of view, I'm not expecting uh, crypto to be a part of um, the metaverse at all. However, we know that China has been building out its own uh, digital sovereign currency, the digital yuan. Uh, and, you know, so far, Evelyn, you've, you've, you've seen it in action. Um, where are we in terms of that development? Yeah, there's certainly many options for digital payments in China, whether it's WeChat or the digital yuan. Um, there hasn't been as much activity on the digital yuan's rollout recently, probably because of the COVID situation. But there was a slightly bigger push to make sure you know, more, more merchants were accepting it, that more people were able to download the digital yuan app and transfer some of their money into it and use it. So it's you know, in the works. It's certainly usable as long as you have some and the merchant has ability to accept it. Uh, and Evelyn, let's talk a bit about some of the front runners in the space, but also your experience of the metaverse so far in China, because I know I think it was in uh, 20, the end of 2021, um, you had a chance to sort of test out Baidu's Shirang uh, app. So that was uh, a media event for kind of helping the reporters learn more about what Baidu was doing in, in the metaverse. And I think the executive in charge kicked off everything on a very realistic note, saying there was something like six years to full development. And so really lowering our expectations. And when we actually tried out the app and they have sort of a VR setup, but it was very low quality in terms of, you know, you could walk through some walls, you could walk through some other um, boundaries like in real life, but then it was just such a massive space that they built in this virtual world that you felt like it would take you forever to just walk from one attraction to another. And they didn't let you jump from one location to a different location. And because the version we, we were using was very in the early stages, so everyone basically looked the same. It wasn't, you know, I think there were some very scathing criticism of the, the Xirong app, at least at that point, and just saying you know, video games are better than what they're offering right now. Uh, they did host a 200,000 person developer conference in their Xirong metaverse. And you could actually uh, like say hi or invite the person next to you in the virtual seat to, to have some kind of communication. But it wasn't, again, that clear. You know, was everyone online at the same time or had they just logged in and kind of wandered around the place? Because you didn't have to sit inside the seat to watch the conference. I mean, it was basically like watching any sort of live stream event. But I guess it's a sign that Baidu's interested in, in this, they're working towards it. I mean, the event was basically to try to open up the platform to more developers to build up their metaverse. But like their, the team managing it said, this is going to take some time. So very realistic expectations here. So what you're telling me is, you know, we're still very much in the, in the early stages of, of metaverse development in China. Um, Evelyn, what, what about um, some of the other companies you feel are, are interested in this space um you feel could already sort of possess some of the the prowess to to take on the metaverse 
often, at least in Beijing, you'll hear a lot about VR companies or even kind of augmented reality like Nreal. Um, there seem to be very niche projects that are working in some like VR specific art or VR specific experience. And when Beijing announced the initial lockdown or not lockdown, initial phase of tighter COVID restrictions a couple of weeks ago, then the government said that sales of VR headsets actually surged. But um, you know, I think this, it just sounds to me that again, it's really people who are maybe at the front end of things who are really interested in, okay, what's next? What could be new? And I'm going to try this out, but it's nothing where you know, most people are involved. Most companies are involved. It's just a concept that's that's being discussed. I think Alibaba has mentioned you know, some of its interest in metaverse, but that sounds like it's much more on the back end and not so much on the actual application. I guess the way to think about it is, I guess, uh, looking at what products uh, a lot of these technology and internet companies have at the moment and how they might work in the metaverse. You know, you think about a company like ByteDance, the, the owner of TikTok. I think they acquired a, a VR company called Pico. They're very interested in gaming, social media. You know, that's a company you might think could be interested in this area. Tencent, um, you know, they operate, of course, WeChat, the China's biggest uh, messaging app, more than a billion users. Um, again, you know, that's a company, the huge gaming company, that's a company that, that likely is interested um, in this as well. So it will be very interesting to see how they eventually sort of take on this concept and, and what they believe it will, will look like. Of course, keeping in mind all of the things we've discussed around regulation, around censorship, uh, around no crypto. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that pans out. Evelyn, uh, thanks so much for your insight. It was invaluable. Thanks for having me. That was my uh, CNBC colleague, Evelyn Cheng, there based out of Beijing, uh, talking to me about the China angle for the metaverse. But look, a lot to unpack about this concept of the metaverse. Certainly, it's still the early stages at this point, And there's a lot to go uh, to eventually sort of form whatever this metaverse will be when it comes to fruition as well. But what's clear is there are still a number of challenges. And I think Leo brought up a really good one in our conversation earlier, which was about the fact that it's con consumers aren't necessarily convinced at this point about the technology and this is what they might need. And so that's going to be a huge challenge for all of these tech companies in the US and China and around the world trying to jump into this space. But look, I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, what do you think about the metaphors? Are you excited about the idea? Uh, do you think it's just a fad at this point? You can get in touch directly with me uh, on Twitter. Twitter. I'm on at Arjun Kapoor. I'd love to hear from you. But that's it for another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. Thanks for watching and listening, and I'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.